stop. Wait. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Everyone, could you guys stretch when you stood up for a minute? It is four o'clock. Did everyone wake up a little bit? I am so honored to be here. I am Havila Cunnington. I am um, the director of Moral Revolution, and we are partnering with Jesus Culture to be here. Uh, I pretty much uh, am a mom most days. I have four boys. Two, four, six, and eight are my boys. That's the ages that they are. And I also have uh, a husband in there as well. So I have five boys that I live with. And I grew up with a twin sister and a mom and an Italian dad who is almost a girl. And so that's what I grew up with. And so now I have five men in my world. Did anyone grow up in a predominantly male household? You know what I'm talking about. And uh, it is a unique world growing up with men. And, um, and now I, uh, I now oversee more evolution, and I pretty much talk about sex when I'm on the pulpit. And so we're going to talk about sex today. You're like, honey, where are we? Are we at church? I don't understand. I don't know about you, but there are people that are having sex, and we're going to find out who they are, and we're going to punish them. You know who you are. And God's going to get you today. And I've heard there are rumors that you got here because of it. There are rumors. And we're going to get rid of that too. We're, I, you know, all of my boys were immaculately conceived. And so I want to talk a little bit about your sexuality. I want to talk about the power of your body and what God created in you. And before we do all of that, I want you to get out your Bibles and I want you to turn to 2 Samuel or pull out your iPhone or your iPad or um, pull out your iPhone and act like you're gonna check your Bible but you're checking your Facebook and God will get you as well for that. I just want you to know. Um, and um, Pull that out, 2 Samuel, and I want to pray for us today. I'm honored to have my mom and dad here, and my boys are over here, as well as my husband, Ben, and um, we will have a few minutes together. So Jesus, let's pray together. Jesus, help. Amen. That's all you need. That's all you need. 2 Samuel says this, chapter 11 is where we're going, chapter 11. 2 Samuel chapter 11, it says, In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. How many, how much of the army went out? Wow, you guys are smart today. The whole army went out, and what time was it for what, were, were the, what time was it for the kings to go? It was for all the kings to go. It was time for the kings to go out. And the entire army was supposed to go out. And the whole army went out. But it says this. It was the defining line in the text, in the Bible, the written word of God. We found out last night. It was phenomenal teaching last night. I loved the whole thing. Favorite line of the message last night. My honeymoon was short. The, how many of you love that? My, we, I mean, my honeymoon. My... my uh, My reception was short. Everybody got a meatloaf sandwich and a brown bag. Did anyone love that line? I will be quoting that for the rest of my life. I love that line. Anyway, this is the defining line. It says this, but David remained in Jerusalem 
But David remained in Jerusalem. And it says this in verse 2, and this is when it starts to get scandalous. This is when it starts to talk about naked women. You're going to want to listen up because we're about to go into it for a minute. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this defining moment in King David's life It's the moment that changed history, it changed his story, it changed what we thought of him as a man. It's the moment when most people want to throat punch him. It's the moment when we think, what are you doing, David? We go into the story and we find out right here in verse 2, it says, One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of his palace, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba. Now when he said she's Bathsheba, and then he says this one line, that she's the wife of Uriah the Hittite, when he says that line, listen, 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 David knows exactly who she is because that man is his friend. So this is as if, this isn't like, oh, well, I don't know who this woman is. I don't know, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. No, no, no. David knows exactly who this woman is. This is like saying, hey, I know this woman is in church. I know who this woman is, and I, I, I know exactly who her husband is. I know exactly who Bathsheba is. And then he says something that ruins the day. It ruins the story. It ruins his, his, the whole moment. He says something right here. He says, and then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and he slept with her. Now I want you to know something. When it says that one line, that doesn't mean that she came and she wanted to sleep with him. It means that David took advantage of her. Some scholars believe that he raped her that day. But regardless, this was a man of power that took advantage of a woman and took her to his home and slept with her at that moment. And now she was purifying herself of her monthly uncleanliness, which meant that she was on her period at that moment. She went back home, and the woman conceived and sent word to David saying this. I am pregnant. He doesn't see her after that day. He just, she just sends him word saying, hey, you know what you did to me? Just want you to know you got me pregnant. Just want you to know. Listen. This story is so defining, and I want to talk to you today about your sexuality and the power of your sexuality. You know, the whole world is screaming a message about sex. You know, Justin Timberlake is trying to bring sexy back, but he did not create sex. God created sex, and God is the most sexy person alive. Did you know that God did not stumble upon Adam and Eve in some bushes and went, Oh, dear angels, close your eyes. We do not know what is happening there. He said, I did not create them to do that. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. You know, let's just take a minute. No, he knew what was happening because he created their bodies to fit together. 
He made man, and he said, the first mistake, he goes, something is wrong. He needs someone to complete him. Let's make a woman to complete him. And let's give him a beautiful woman, and let's give him something that is not like him, but like him, and let's give him her. And let's give them each other, and let's put companionship and intimacy and beauty together, and let's bring a picture together of something that the angels will stand in wonder of, the beauty of a man and a woman in intimacy. But the world cannot create the beauty of sex. They can only counterfeit what God created. Because if God created sex, then they don't have anything on it. They're only trying to dupe you into believing that what sexy is is what you're showing and what you're singing about and what you believe, all, all, all the people you've been with and all the things that you've got. Let me tell you something. Sex is not that complicated. And sexy isn't that complicated. It's being who God has called you to be in the beauty of being you and in the sanctity of the covenant. God, listen, listen, listen. God never had a no over sex. Can we just get real for an hour? You're like, I don't remember signing up for this. It's okay. That's as, that's as much as I'm going to say. Don't worry. That's all we're going to go. You're like, I have my 12-year-old here. It's okay. They probably know. Statistically, they probably know, but whatever. God never had a no over any of it. God only had one no. Listen, listen, this is going to help you out. I grew up in the church. I was raised in the church. I did everything from true love weights to contracts to blood covenants. No, listen, I did it all. My, my parents had me doing it before I knew what I was doing. You know, it was like, I just wanted the ring. You know, it was pretty. Pretty soon I was like, really? We're all in on this? Okay, awesome. God never had a no over all of it. He loves all of it. He created it. He, the wonder of it all. He never had a no. The only no he had, listen, listen. The only no God had was one no. And the one no was a protective no of a father. And he said, don't mess around with your sexuality outside of covenant because covenant is the only thing that protects it. Because it is so powerful that when you mess with it, there's so much that happens in the midst of it. It'll mess you up. It'll mess you up. So covenant is the only thing that protects the power of it. I know that was good. You could have clapped. It's okay. It's all right. So listen, listen. Justin Timberlake can't bring it back. Kim Kardashian can't break it. Why does Madonna want to feel like a virgin? Well, I, let's just get on. Like, what is the whole concept of the world? Why is it all getting back to the beauty of it all? And it's because there is power in your sexuality. There is power in you being who God's called you to be. Back to original design, who God has called you to be. And I want to talk about the story of David and what happened here. You see, God has created you as a triune being. You are spirit, soul, and body. We just learned a lot. The last sessions we've been having, we've been singing worship gorgeous gorgeous worship songs and we've been talking about being revivalists and being passionate and praying and and singing and our spirits have become alive the holy spirit's living on the inside of us and there's nothing wrong with him 
Come on, he's living on the inside of us, and, and the problems you're having is not him. You don't have a junior Holy Spirit. Kim doesn't have a big Holy Spirit, and you have a little Holy Spirit. Banny doesn't have a large Holy Spirit, and a grown-up Holy Spirit, and you have a little Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, you got the full meal deal. There is no small, there is no little, there's no old, you got it all. So everything is working right. Your soul, mind, will, and emotions, those have some issues. That's okay. You're going to take some time to be transformed. But your body is also part, the Bible says, the Holy Spirit resides on the inside of you. And that's your temple of the Holy Spirit. Which means you can't do something with your body that doesn't affect your soul and spirit. You can't go into the bedroom without it affecting your soul and spirit. It's impossible, no matter what the world tells you, it's impossible, it will affect you. And God created us this way. You see, you can be a revivalist and be addicted to pornography, but it's not really fun. God's not going to shoot down lightning. You can get up and preach fiery messages and still be looking at pornography late at night. Can we just get real? No, no God's not going to shame you in front of people. That's not who he is. He loves you. He wants to see you free. He's going to send people to help you. But here's what I want to say is that 7 out of 10 men are looking at pornography today. And 5 out of 10 women are looking at pornography in this, in this room statistically. So this is not like a guy thing or a girl thing. This is, this is a generation thing that we're facing. And what I want to do today is I want to bring us hope. I don't want to just throw statistics at you so you can go, oh, great. What are we supposed to do? I'm also stuck in it. So what am I supposed to do, Havilah? I want to bring you hope today. So if you'll listen in and lean in, I promise you I'm going to give you a lot of hope to set you free. So you can actually leave today going, I got freedom from something that's been on my life for a long time. And I don't have to just sing worship songs and hope God's not looking at the other parts of my life. But I can feel free. So here's what I want to say. Here's what we learn about David's story is that we learn the first phrase of this story is that it said, it said that, that we learned that David, David missed a few thoughts. David was amazing. Think about David. David was the man that killed Goliath. He was the man that that chastised the entire nation of Israel and said, I'm going to kill Goliath. He was the man that Saul, uh, uh, the, the prophet Solomon came in and anointed and said, um, Samuel, Samuel, excuse me, that came in and basically said, um, I, God looks at the heart, man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. I mean, he was the guy that, that brought the Ark of the Covenant into the presence and, and danced before God. I mean, David was the poster child of being the most amazing man. He went from shepherd to warrior, from warrior to king. He was, he was amazing. He was, he was like the Jesus culture poster child. He was like that kind of guy, you know? And then all of a sudden he has this really ridiculous moment. And why is he on a rooftop looking at a girl when he had everything? What happened to him? And I, I want to walk us through this moment. The first phrase we learn in this story is it says, a time when kings go to war. Was David a king at that moment? You can answer me. So why did David not go to war when he was a king? I would suggest that David forgot who he was for a moment. 
I would suggest that David forgot who he was. See, I think one of the easiest ways that we forget the power of our sexuality and purity and what we're called to is when we forget who we are. And if David can forget who he is, then we can forget who we are. Whether we're a youth pastor sitting in the room or whether we're a new Christian, we can easily forget who we are in Christ. And we need to know something. I want to remind you today who you are in Christ. You know, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you that God has called you to reach your generation. I want to remind you that this is not about a celebrity status generation where you're somehow hoping to get on a stage or somehow hoping that someone recognizes you and pulls you out. The God of the universe has recognized you and pulled you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And he, he, is, he is waiting to display his glory on your life. When I was 17 years of age, I was not living for God. In a holistic way, I, I, was, I was in a, a compromising life, and I was sitting in the backseat of a car, and some guys had picked me up to go to a party one night, and as I'm in the backseat of a car, the music is playing, and I, I, I'm sitting in the backseat, I'm thinking, there's got to be more to life than this. I have heard the messages. I went to the, these kind of events. I, I've prayed the prayers. I've sung the songs, but I am not living. Do you know what I'm talking about? The roller coaster ride? You know what I'm talking about? The whole, I'm doing this, but I'm not always doing, I'm not always living full-hearted for you, God. And I could feel it in my heart. The presence of God comes into this car. I can feel it. My heart begins to beat as I'm in this car. And I can feel something's going on. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me in this car. And I hear his voice say to me, Havilah, you are called to more than this. What are you doing? And I feel the unction to say something. I don't know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say something. So I yell out over the music in this car, can you turn the music down? I don't know what I'm going to say. I just have told the guys to turn the music down. I yell out awkwardly in this car, I have a call of God on my life. No piano player. No pastor. Silence in the car. I am now feeling the presence of God. I'm beginning to, to shake. I can feel his presence. I'm quivering. I can feel his God. I'm doing something. Something is happening inside of me where I'm beginning to go past the point of no return. I'm beginning to choose who I'm going to serve. And I know at this moment I'm saying goodbye to my friends. I'm saying goodbye to a lifestyle of compromise. I'm saying goodbye to a life of not knowing who I'm serving and when I'm serving it and going with this group one day and going with this group one day and not knowing where I belong. You see, there's something that happens. Listen, listen. Right now, there are some of you right now, the enemy is trying to distract you in this moment. You're having a hard time. You're trying to focus. And I'm saying to you, it's because your life isn't set yet. You don't know who you serve yet. And the enemy knows that the moment you get focused on who you're called to serve and you say, I'm going to serve him and I'm never turning back, there is a power that hits your life. There is an anointing that hits your life and the enemy begins to know that you are serious and there's something that happens where God goes, now I can trust her. 
No, I can trust him. Something's happening. I then look at them. I'm, I yell this out. If you would like to go with me, you're welcome to come with me, but I'm going to serve God. I'm crying in the car. I look over at my sister, and she's crying because there's a presence in the car. The guys never say anything. They just take us home. We still laugh to this day. They never said a word. We just show up at our house. We're just, it's not funny. We're in front of our house. Interesting. We get out of our car. We walk in. It's late at night. We walk in. We kneel down by our, one of our beds, and we say this prayer out loud. Lord, we are not much. We are young. We are girls. We have no special giftings or graces that we know of. But if you can use anyone, you're welcome to use our lives. You're welcome to use our lives. And sometimes I wish that heaven would have opened at that moment. How many of you ever prayed a prayer where it's like an angel would really seal the deal in this moment? You know, like an encounter, like just something. Like you have a lot of angels, God. It would be awesome. Just maybe even a ladder with angels descending and ascending. That would be awesome. It would really, nothing. We went to bed that night. But you know, I have learned more and more as I've walked with God that when you mean it in your heart, you don't have to experience something outwardly for something inwardly to happen. Because God does look at the inward man, not the outward. And when you mean it, he takes you very seriously. And he begins, he begins to move heaven and earth on your behalf. Whether the outside changes, everything begins to change on your behalf. And you can be confident that your dad up in heaven is working it out for you. Whether you know it or not, he's working it out for you. So you begin to know who you are in Christ. I didn't know that. But I think about this thing in Ephesians 4.1, it says this, For he chose us in him from the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and in love. That word chose is a Greek word. It's two Greek words. It's a, a compound word. And those two words mean two, two different words. And those two words are this. The first word is out. And the second phrase is I say. So the, the passage in this, Ephesians 4.1, for he chose, is the literal meaning is that God, before the creation of the world, saw your life. Just look at me. This is going to get really good. And I promise you, it's going to go straight to your spirit. And you're going to carry this with you. You're going to carry this with you. And, and this is what's going to slap you upside down when you get home and you feel like you're nobody and you don't know what you're doing with your life on a Monday morning. This is what's going to come out of you. God, before you were created in heaven, literally, he saw your life. He saw this generation. And he said, Havilah, out, I say, create her now. Create her now. Out, I say, now. Did you know you were not born on this earth to fill the earth with more human beings? We weren't looking for more males and females and, well, let's get some more. No, no. God knew exactly what he was doing when he put you on the earth. He knew exactly what he was placing. In fact, it even says in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verse 26, now when David had served his generation, he fell asleep. Listen, 
It's, that means that David was born in his generation for a time, and God placed him in his generation. And when he was done, he died. You go, why am I here? What am I doing with my life? I don't know. I'm like 17, and I'm just trying to figure out if my friends will like, like me, and I don't know how to figure out my life. I'm telling you something. Look at me. Your life is so powerful that when God puts you in the earth, before you were created in your mother's womb, whether your mother wanted you or not, whether you were apart, whether your mom gave you up, whether you were in the foster system or not, whether you don't even know if your family wants you and whether they've rejected you and abandoned you, whether your dad never knew your name, listen, listen, whether anybody ever chose you, you were chosen. This God in heaven, God in heaven saw you before you were ever created. He said, it is time for that one to be born. He, put, he picked you up and he set you here. He said, out I say now. And the same thing happened to King David at that moment. He said, it's time for you to be born, David. It's time for you to kill Goliath. It's time for you to be anointed. It's time for you to be king. It's time for you to go to war, David. And David goes, I'd rather sit up on a porch because I'm tired. And I have some needs. I have some sexual needs. And I need to get them met. And it's hard to get your sexual needs met when you're at war with a bunch of men. So instead of going with my brothers, I'll look at my brother's wife. And I'll hang out here. And I'll sin for her. And I'll do what I want to do. No one's going to know because I'm king. Until I got the news that she's pregnant. Now what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to have to kill her husband. Which he does. Now he's a murderer and adulterer. And now he's got a, a baby. And then he doesn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden a prophet comes and says, I know exactly what you did, David. And I love you, but you are messing up big time. And David understands what he does, and he begins to weep and pray and mourn and says, save my baby, my baby's going to die. And what happens? There are consequences to how we live. We don't always, we get to pick our sin, but we don't always pick our consequences. How do we stay safe? We remember who we are. We stay in purpose. We stay in passion. We we stay with our brothers. We stay in community. We stay close to who we are. You see, David's gaze was not wrong. It was his view that was wrong. Listen, the church has oftentimes said, David, why are you looking? David, don't look. You don't, you're godly. Don't look. I don't know about you, but you can't pray away your sex drive when God gave it to you. That's a good word. Look at you. You're looking at, you're like, that's, I, I, that does not apply to me. Shut up. Yes, it does apply to you. Look at all spiritual. Well, that, no, that doesn't apply to me. I'm married now. I'm married too. You have to manage your sex drive if you're married or not. What I simply mean is this, is that 
The gaze, the gaze of God. What are we doing in Jesus culture? We're worshiping a God that loves us and knows us. We're learning about who he is. We're trying, what Banning and the leaders are doing is we're trying to get your gaze on Jesus. We're trying to say the author and the finisher of your faith is looking back at you. He loves you. Get your gaze on Jesus. He's got enough to satisfy you. He loves you. He, he's going to fill your gaze. But the problem is, it's you were made to crave. You were made to gaze. You were made to look. And you were made to want to look at beautiful things. That's why they put me up here. No, listen. That over the top. Now listen. I'll clean that up. They will edit that out. Now listen. They you you were meant to gaze. So it wasn't the problem has been with the generation is the church has said don't look, don't look. Stop it. Get pure. Stop it. Stop it. And I'm telling you it's not, your gaze, it's not the gaze that's wrong. It's the view that's wrong. Get the view right. Get off the balcony and get with your brothers and look at God. Get where he's put you and begin to realize that he's got that in you and you're okay. You see, an orphan believes that you have a need and you're the only one that can meet it. But a son believes that we have a desire and that your father's going to help you meet it. And God's going to help you meet it. You see, David went to the bal- when David went to the balcony and he didn't go to war, David was saying yes the moment he said no. The moment he said, I'm not going to go to war, was the moment he said yes to the balcony. Listen, this is very key. Please follow me on this. The moment you tell God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do, is the moment you are saying yes to a whole bunch of other things. And you go, oh, that's not, no, that's not me. I mean, I, I don't, no, no, listen. Either you are surrendered or you're not, you're not. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. That's the truth, right? Either you're going to follow him in obedience fully or you're not really obeying him at all. With my, you know, I, I, that's just the truth. And so we have to understand now, I, I, I look at it like this, you know, When we say yes to God, our no becomes complete. When I married my husband 10 years ago, I didn't come down the aisle to my husband. And when they began, they said, you know, Havila, today you're going to marry Ben. And I didn't get up there and say, you know, now I could have married Jerry and I could have married Kevin and I could have married, I'm saying no to marrying, you know, Edward and I'm saying no to marrying Nathan. I, I didn't list off 28 other guys that I wasn't marrying that day. I just said, I'm marrying you. That's it. And the moment I said yes to marrying my husband, I said no to dating the other two, whatever, I don't know how many people on the face of the earth now, billion other men that are on the face of the earth. Do you understand that? Now, some of you don't understand that because that's not how you look at marriage. I look at marriage like that. I look at marriage as a, sanct, as a sacred covenant that when I said yes to my husband, I looked at him and said, I just want you to know, I said no to every other man in the entire world for you. You're welcome. I just want you to know, you're welcome. No, my yes to him made an automatic no to everything else. 
So today we're worshiping and we're singing and we're praying and we're going, I want you, God. Listen, when you say yes to God, everything else is no. We don't go to Starbucks and we go, we don't pull up to the counter and we go, what would you like? Well, I don't want... I don't want a frappuccino, and I don't want a latte. Do you have any of those egg sandwiches? I don't want that. Um, I don't want a cake pop, and I don't. So the guy would be like, Could you, what are, you, are you crazy? Could you imagine? No, we say, I would like a soy latte at 130 degrees. That may be my order. I'm a little chicken with the heat. I admit it. But that's it. I, one order makes me say no to everything else. You see, when your yes is set, your no is easy. We find this very clearly in the Bible when it comes to the story of Joseph. I'm going to quickly reference this for a minute. In the story of Joseph, we find him in Genesis chapter 39. You don't have to turn there, but I want to read this passage to you. Joseph was a well-built and handsome. He was well-built and handsome. Just think about that for a minute. Now, I rebuke that in your heart right now. Whatever that was, I could feel it coming at me, and you did not say yes to God at that moment. You did not say yes to him. No, listen. And after a while, his master's wife took notice to Joseph and said, come to bed with me. She was cold. No, listen, she wanted something else. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. Because you are his wife. And then he says a defining line, which is the title of my message... He says this, how could I, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph was a single man, and I doubt that Potiphar's wife was an ugly woman. I doubt that, that she, was, he was an ug, she was an ugly woman. But when she approaches him, he looks at her and she approaches him over and over. When the computer screen looks at you and says, turn it on and look. When the girl texts you and says, I could be right over. When the guy says, send me the picture. Come on, I want to see what you look like. When the guy says, just one more time. There's got to be something within us as a generation that says in the face of it, how could I when I belong to him? How could I date you when I belong to him? How could I marry you when I belong to him? 
could I look at that when I belong to him? And I go, I, I know, listen, I get it. There are things that we get addicted to and entrapped in and we, we, get, we, get, we get snared into. And I, I understand that. But without, we can't get free until we admit we belong to him. And so much of it is that, well, I don't know if I'm, I've been, this is how I've always been, 12 years, 15 years. So I'm, I'm trying to get you to just believe you belong to him and that he has the power to get you free. You go, well, this is how I've always been. If you believe that you've always been this way, then you believe that how you've always been is stronger than who he is. And I want to tell you something. There's got to be something in us as a Jesus culture movement, as a pastor movement, as a women movement. Come on, girls. Thank you, this side. Girls, thank you. There's got to be something within us that says, how could I? How could I? When I belong to him. When I belong to him. At 17, I gave my life to Christ and I did not walk away from him. I was very serious about walking with him. And I didn't date guys that wanted to date me. And there was a lot. No, there wasn't. But listen, there was a few. Why did you laugh? That's sick. That's sick. I forgive you. I didn't do things that most of the girls my age was, were doing because I belonged to him. And I didn't need to belong to anybody but him. I didn't need everyone to like me. I didn't need everyone to like my pictures and like my posts, although we didn't have that then. I didn't need everyone to invite me to everything and everyone to want to date me and everyone. I didn't need everyone's affection and attention. I wanted to belong to him because his gaze was enough to fill my life with satisfaction. And I just want to say something to you. The world is telling you that you need more. And I want to tell you, that is an insatiable desire. You need to look at more. You need to consume more. You need to date more. You need to get more people to know more people and, and, and be intimate with more people and just have the right technique and get more alive in that and give yourself more and give your body more and, and make sure you see more and watch more and experience more. And I want you to know something. What they haven't told you is that is an insatiable appetite. And the Bible says that it will only leave you bankrupt. It will not leave you satisfied. It will not leave you filled. It will leave you bankrupt. And the problem that will happen is that when you become bankrupt, usually it bankrupts not just you. It bankrupts your family. It bankrupts your kids. And how many of you know you've come from families where you had parents that, that did not have healthy sexuality and bankrupt your whole life? Because I don't know about you, but I have a church filled with it where people did not know who they were. They didn't know who they were created to be. They didn't go to war when they were supposed to go. They didn't go with their brothers when they were supposed to go with their brothers. They didn't know who they were called to be when they were supposed to be. They didn't have a how could I when they should have had it. And it cost them everything. I want to close with this thought. Some of you in the room today, my husband's going to come up and play. 
Some of you today, I really believe this as I prayed about it today. The Lord wants to set you free. Some of you, you've, had, you've come, and I've studied a lot about this. I've spent my life, we, we've written a curriculum on sexuality, and I've, I've read books and curriculum, and I mean, we've done all kinds of stuff. What I do know is that a lot of stuff that happens in our life comes in cycles. So we get free for a little bit. We find this a lot when it comes to looking at things on the internet or dating the people we shouldn't be dating or whatever it is in our lives. It comes in cycles. And so we get free for a minute, but we don't really get whole. We don't get really free. And so we think we're free, but we're not. And I just want to say over you today that I felt like the Lord wants to set some of you free today. That when you leave this place, that you would feel so empowered that God's going to give you freedom and a way out where there is no way, you've never had a way out. I felt that the Lord's going to anoint your heart to hear what he is saying over you. And that today at 446 in the afternoon, in, on January in the year 2015, you're going to sit in a room and go, there was something that happened over my life where I was not scared anymore about this area in my life. But for the first time, I was empowered to hear what God was saying over me. That I was getting free. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace that's in the room. We thank you that you love us. Lord, there are some in the room today that... They've had David experiences where they didn't go to war when they were supposed to go to war. They didn't go to the battlefield and they went to the bedroom and they missed it. And they're living in the moment of crisis. They're living in the consequences. And you want to set them free from that moment. And I ask right now you would intervene on their behalf. You would speak to their heart hope. You'd break the shame from that moment and you'd set them free from that moment right now. Lord, I pray for those right now that are are saying, you know, I have a lot, I've never ever had, I've never surrendered my sexuality to God. I've never given, I've given God my spirit, I've given him my soul, but I've never given him my body. I've never given him my cravings, I've never given him my, I've never given him permission to have input in who touches me and who's, who talks to me and who dates me and I just never given him permission and I want to give him permission today. I want us just to, if you would, would you mind just bowing your head for a minute? I'm not going to have you come forward or anything. I just want to give us a moment to respond. If you're saying, you know, have a lot, I want God to come and set me free today from areas of unhealthy sexuality. I find my life like David. There's parts of my life that I have not been totally healthy in and it scares me. I know that I'm singing songs and I'm praying prayers and I'm, I'm coming to events like this, but if I was really, really honest, if I was really truthful, I, I know that I, w- I, know, I know it's, it's not something I want to go to God about and I need freedom in this area. If that's you, just be honest, lift your hand, say, that's me. It's true, it's me, good. Hands all over the place. I love it, tons of hands. Even in the back, love it. Awesome. You may slip your hand down. Some of you today, I feel like you don't have the how could I, like a Joseph. You, 
you actually aren't fully walking with Christ and you've never committed yourself fully to Christ. You, you've given moments, but you've never had the, the back seat of the car, I'm going for God fully and I'm never looking back moment and you know it's time and you're saying, Havilah, I, I think this part of the story is what I've been missing. I didn't know he'd take all of this and I want to do that today. I want to make that commitment to follow hard after God. I, I, it's time for me to do that. If that's you, unashamed, confidently saying, that's me, I want you to lift your hand, say, that's me, I want to serve God. Good, tons of hands all over the room. Come on, lift your hand, lift your hand, lift your hand. Come on, all over the room, say, that's me, I want to serve God. I want to serve God. If that's you, will you stand? Just stand all over the room. Come on, you're not alone. There's hundreds of us that are saying, that's me, all over the room. Come on, come on, right now, all in the back. Come on, stand, say, that's me, that's me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow hard after God. I'm gonna follow hard after God. That's it, stand. If you can't stand here, you won't be able to stand out there. That's the truth. If you can't stand here, you can't stand out there. You're with friends today. We love you. We love you. We've all done it here. If that's you, just lift your hand. Hands with me. I'll lift it with you. Say, Jesus, Jesus, I give you my life. I am yours. I surrender my life to you. I want to run hard after you. I want to make you Lord of my life. I want to be like a Joseph that has a how could I spirit in me. I ask you to come, anoint my heart to run hard after you. Lord, I break up with shame today. I break up with fear today. I don't need you anymore. I'm a child of God. And I'm going to live for him wholeheartedly. I'm going to serve him in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Can we give those that stood today?